Conversations about the sounds of speech. I am Phil Thompson, and this here is Eric Armstrong. Hi, Phil. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you very much. Excellent. I have to say, happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm 49. What a great age! I I say from personal experience, I am still 49, at least for a, a couple of months yet. Uh, so, the great 50 awaits us both. Exactly, and then we'll be far more authoritative. Once we're both 50, people will have yes. to listen Ooh. to what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode is about mouth, uh, the lexical set mouth, the ao diphthong. And uh, in that, it is uh, kind of a partner to price, which we did recently. Right. Uh, and that has a lot to do with the historical development of the diphthongs. Uh, we, I think we alluded to this in the Price episode. that Of course. In Middle English, there, was, uh, there were words that were spelled with I that were pronounced E, as in priest and prime. And there were words spelled with, U, with O-U, probably A-U and O-W as well, uh, that were pronounced U, uh, like mooth and sooth, uh, and uh, the little rodent, a moose, uh, which uh, still is in the Robert Burns poem, uh, uh, Moose, uh, we it timorous beastie. Where does he say moose? Somewhere in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so... So that's a record. The spelling is a record of a previous pronunciation. Yes, indeed. Which is similar to the French pronunciation of O-U. Uh, you, you've got a couple of words. You're the French expert here. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, a lot of the O-U words from French, a word like count, would have been pronounced comté with more of an on kind of sound. But uh, a word like sour... Uh, would be sur, which would have come to English as sur, and that would eventually turn into sour, 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 sour. Terrific. So you've just demonstrated this or this development that happened with price and with, with mouth of uh, a relaxation of the first part of it, a sort of slow shift into it. Mm. Uh, we might imagine it started as an on-glide, yeah. Right, the similar to the way we're getting on goose these days, goose kind of sliding in, yeah. um, and perhaps that just continued to grow. So uh, we went through a period where where all of these sounds were o o o, and I'm trying to think of. Uh, I mean, in Southern California, we get a lot of "Who are you?" It's almost a diphthong. Uh, but that central element continued to open up as the sounds, as English changed towards a more of an ow sound. Except that it didn't do that universally and uniformly, uh, as evidenced by Canadian raising. Yeah. So in, in Canadian raising, we don't get it on every mouth word. We only get this version 
with the limited range, the O as opposed to the ow, when it's followed by a voiceless consonant. Can you so, run that by me one more time? So let me give you two examples. We have the word mouth, the noun, and to mouth, the verb. And mouth is followed by a voiced consonant. Also a word like how, now. Uh, those don't have a consonant, so, so they're similar in, in their pattern. They're a long version of the diphthong, and so there's lots of time and space to make the ow diphthong. Whereas a, a word like mouth has what uh, linguists call pre-fortis clipping, because it's followed by a voiceless consonant, a fortis consonant. It is very short, and yeah. in that brief space, we don't travel as far. There are accents that have similar diphthong qualities, where they apply that even to the the voiced context. So they'd say m uh, the mouth and to mouth, but that's not in Canada. So so Canadian raising is the raising or the not lowering of a subset of those sounds yes. based on length, really. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of linguistic changes in English are, are really the result of... Uh, quality changing, <clears throat> pardon me, as a result of quantity changing, that uh, some sounds are lengthened because of the phonetic context. I'm thinking about trap and bath, uh, that some of those ah sounds, when they were before fricatives, got longer and longer, and as they got longer and longer, they got opener and opener. So trap and bath became trap and bath, bath, bath. So the same thing's true here, that we might... There's a process of opening, but it's harder to do a full open when you've got a shorter sound. Yeah. So you might bow to the people, but you're about to bow. Uh, because nice. about only... <laughs> you've got a, you're moving quickly, just because you're yes. trying to get to that T, I suppose. And I think we touched on how... Uh, a Boat is not a boot when we did the goose yes. lexical set, didn't we? And that a lot of people hear Canadian raising a boat as a boot. Which is fascinating uh, because that's where it came from. <laughs> yeah, it did come from there. But it, it, it is different to us, partly because we have a very strong boot. We round it and back it pretty mm -hmm. far. Um, but uh, the, that uh, uh, also a lot of people hear that on glide, oh, as being um, similar to the on-glide to uh, an oo vowel that they might encounter today. Yeah. So, so we've covered a lot of really important things there that we've touched on before. The idea that the phonetic context changes the pronunciation, the difference between long and short in vowels, uh, and the way in which that might affect the, the sounds. Uh, so we've we've got the identity of mouth, I think, mapped out. Its history and why it might have two divergent pronunciations. Uh, there was another term that I wanted to bring in here because it was new to me, uh, which is when I was looking into J.C. Wells' Accents of English, he described mouth as a wide diphthong, which makes a lot of sense. It didn't take long to unpack it that mm. it covers a wide range. It moves through a bigger, uh, longer arc in your mouth from ah to oo, or from ah to oo. Whereas a narrow one, like 
A or O is just moving a short distance. The tongue isn't doing as much moving here. Mm -hmm. so, so the terms for diphthongs uh, that we've covered are rising diphthongs and falling diphthongs. Uh, rising being uh, moving from a brief to a long component. Uh, right. Coda to nucleus. So, so an like an on glide yes, exactly. would be yes. And then falling, the ones that we're most familiar with in English, are moving from a long nucleus to a short coda. I yes. Ow. So ow is a uh, a falling. Yes. Different. Sorry, it just completely went out of my head. Uh, <laughs> if I had the uh, energy, I would go back in and edit that lapse out, but that just shows you that I'm <laughs> not not quite that energetic. So, so yes, we've got a falling diphthong. Uh, it is a closing diphthong because it starts with a more open mouth position and goes to a more closed mouth position. It's not a centering diphthong because it's not going towards schwa, but it's also... But it might cross schwa. Yeah. Oh, and it's a wide, not a narrow diphthong. So that's a lot of great terminology to talk about how diphthongs work. But I love your term from Price, which is that a diphthong is a vector, that you know the, yes. in, the starting and the ending points, <clears throat> but there's a lot of information about how it might traverse that journey. Mm -hmm. I've also seen them drawn on vowel charts as sort of... Um sort of a, an arrow that has a chubby mm -hmm. tail or a chubby head. Uh, depending if it's a rising diphthong, then the, the head of the arrow is chubby because it's yeah. starting uh, from a small place and going to a bigger place. Or a falling diphthong starting from a big place going to uh, a less important place. And so the tail of the arrow is bigger in that drawing on, on a vowel For chart. For a similar reason, I often will draw sort of tadpoles on, on the chart for my students. Here we are with a big open round head and then it narrows off to a point like an apostrophe or a tadpole. Right. So, ow, I think it's time for the fun part, which is Yay. trying to go through all the variations of starting and ending points to see what yes. sort of things we hear out in the wild. Yeah. So I guess we should start with the archetypal form, which is, mm -hmm. <clears throat> or the one that speech teachers want to teach, or uh, what I would write if I were writing narrow, rather broad transcription, which mm. would be okay. the print A, the front open A, ah, moving towards the upsilon, U. Ow. Mm. Now, it's interesting to note that Wells, in, in Accents of English, sort of says that the sound typically, prototypically, but in, in both General American, as he defines it, and RP, is, is actually backer than, than the sort of cardinal definition of the, the type, or as you call it, print A. Um, yeah. Feelings about that, Phil? I see you I think there's a lot of variation over. in where that starting point is, and... Yes, uh, I wonder lots. how much of that is uh, of Wells' views on that are aspirational because I do know that it's been a fairly long tradition in speech teaching to demand that the starting point is back, back, back. Oh, 
How now, brown oh. cow? Right. Isn't that even in singing in it the is, rain? It is, indeed. My, I have views about this, that uh, one reason why speech teachers might want to teach a back starting point is it's a little more difficult or a little uh, less intuitive to nasalize that. And right. nasalization of this diphthong is one of the things that speech teachers are trying to fight against. So, a middle between front and back, uh, we could say it's a print A with a diaresis on top to sh represent that it's backer, or with a minus sign underneath. Minus sign. Or in the old school tradition, a little T, a little tack pointing yeah. to the to the right. So, I'm going to see if I can land that. Ow. 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 Yeah, that sits good. Sits well with Yes, me. and Ow. it's one that is not going to locate you anywhere, uh, except fairly high socioeconomically, and uh, it, it won't particularly make you more English or more American, I think. Ow. Ow. It, 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 you think it's not more... Eastern? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say it, it sounds a little Eastern, a little antique, a little Anglophilic, mm. perhaps. Perhaps. So yes. why don't I shift back with that first element for, for a while? Go, go old school speech teacher. Ow, ow, ow. How now? You know, you, you know what I find hard <laughs> about doing that? Is that I always go very <laughs> Exactly, low. I'm doing the same thing. Oh, I'm oh, lowering my oh, larynx. Oh, oh, oh. To try to keep doing it and and lift. Part of it is the nature of ah has such a rich, deep overtone yeah. that even on a higher pitch, it sounds lower than it is. So, like if I do ow, and then I do ow, ow, sounds lower than ow, ow. So let's, for a moment, just make a new phoneme, which is the, the ah sound in these words. Ha, na, bran, ka. Ha, na, bran, ka. And now I'll add the uh, how now, brown cow. I think my tendency is to come forward a little bit. I think you and I share that as mm -hmm, sure. Midwesterners. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't think I qualify. <laughs> well, uh, on the vowel chart that is North America, we're on the central line. <laughs> uh, I think I'm pretty yeah. east by, by that. Anyway, so, keep going. So... Uh, now I can take it further front, uh, and I'm going to see if I can avoid nasalizations, nasalization and try to hit a front, even raised, ah position. How now, brown cow? I'll close off my nose and see if I've done it. How now? Failed. Brown cow. Uh, I'm reducing the second element, too, because I'm so concerned about the first one. <laughs> How it's almost impossible to say now and brown right. because they have n ends before or after them, right? How now, brown, cow. How now. Yeah, it's certainly, we can separate that element. We can say without nasalization, we're still very much fronting and raising the first part. How now. I'm even taking that up towards eh, I think. How now. Which we yeah. could hear. Yes, How absolutely. Are you? How are you? Yes, and in some places, when we start to play with the second element, we, we get even more yeah. of that, I think. Yeah. So, so, item one, we can change the starting point along the outside of the chart. 
Yeah, sort of the bottom uh, you third. You are making delightful pendulum motions here to <laughs> fill in that area of the chart. The, yes, uh, along the bottom edge. Now, we could also kind of centralize from uh, 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 how now brown cow. And that starts to take us into this Canadian raising area. How now? Yes. Very much the same sound as Canadian raising. Canadian raising also tends to raise the second element. So we're a bit more ooey on the end of Canadian raising. How no brown count? Because the whole thing is closing. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if people who start from a more centered place would have a more closed finish. Um, I've noticed, by the way, in, in Boston, the the mouth diphthong can sometimes be o o uh and i read it as putting a goat sound in a boot a boot because i'm expecting in the american context for that to be the o sound but i think in mm. realization uh a lot of people were thinking about that about that uh uh, Pretty central. Yeah. Uh, and it's an interesting uh, one. It's one of those features of Boston that isn't really pushed because it tends to take you into Canadian uh, sounds. And so... There are quite a few places along the mid-Atlantic coast that have Canadian raising. So. so we've got a central beginning, mouth, south, uh, which could be part of Canadian raising, uh, I think I centralize a little bit. How are you? How are you? How now, brown cow? I'm not getting it all the way to the most open position. But I think I do the same thing with price. Mouth, price. Price. You know, price, again, because both mouth and price are followed by voiceless consonants, they're... Poor choices for lexical set words for Canadians yes. because we do Canadian raising on both of them. Um, or they're great in that it, it highlights this so sound. So if I say bow, bow, bye, bow, bye, bout, bite. Bye sounds like it's more centralized, whereas bow does not. It perhaps a little bit backer. Bow. Of course, now I'm thinking about it, so who knows if this is actually accurate. Yes, yes. Uh, all right, that's great. So... Uh, and and nasalization is the aspect that we referred to. I could nasalize that nucleus of the diphthong in any position. I could go ah, I, ah, uh, rather ow, ow. How are you? How are you? How how are you? Yes. But it's ow. really strongly associated with many accents. How, 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 especially when there's a nasal following it. Ground. Yes. Ground. Count. And that's one of those count. features that in constructing an accent for the stage that is not intelligent. That's not about intelligibility. That's about uh, projecting so bias. bias. It is. It's about saying this <laughs> person is of this class and uh, this work is of a certain formality and fanciness and antiquity and so we don't want to say why are you shouting Polixenes uh, because that will transport us into the present day because it's a, a growing feature 
of North American English, certainly. All right, we've fiddled with the front. Uh, let's start talking yes. about how the second element uh, can shift. Oh, right. Well, so it could go forward. So instead of being in the sort of uh zone, it could start to head towards the what we think of as the barred u uh, yeah. sound, uh, um, or perhaps a little bit more open, the barred o uh, sound. So that's sort of an u uh, sound. Ay, yeah. Ay. Ay. Um, we get that in places like Australia. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ay. really, I think that's a transport from England. Um, mm. You can hear in uh, rather posh early 20th century heights. Hi now, Brian Cow. Yes. Yes. Traces. Yes. So. It's possible that that transported, the verb transport is not quite the verb I want for mm-hmm. Australian and New Zealand colonization, but uh, th- that traveled that distance as well. I saw a really interesting thing about New Zealand speech as I was preparing for today <clears throat> about the about smoothing in New Zealand speech. So, oh, smoothing. We're not talking peanut uh, butter indeed. here, and we covered this in price. Th- that is. The elimination of the second element. And so, uh, uh, let's take the word how. Uh, If you smooth it and take off the second element and say how, how, you'll hear, according to some article I read, uh, intrusive R. Uh, So, Powerful. Right. Uh, which is r- surprising to me, but it makes a lot of phonological sense that it's become yes. palm. Uh, right. Or, or it's become start, which are identical in the accent. Yes. And so yes. it will behave that way. So it has to have essentially merged completely for that to start to happen. Yeah. Because... Um, a lot of smoothing happens as just a sort of allophonic adjustment, right? That that in their in the the speaker's head, they still have the lexical set differentiated, even though in the context, it gets realized as a smooth variation. And often smoothing will happen because of timing of the, yeah. the, they're saying it very rapidly, or they're they're. Uh, saying it in a more relaxed manner that it's not their dictionary form of the word but in in a more conversational mode smoothing will creep in and so we have different you know speakers who will have their sort of dictionary form in their mind's ear if you will of the word being pronounced with an ow full-blown diphthong and then ha with a bit of schwa off glide and then finally ha as they go faster or are a little bit more relaxed, had a couple of beers. Um, and so uh, those people who have the, the variation are not likely to get that kind of intrusive R creeping yeah. in. If you've totally, ev- every instance you say ha, ha, ha for how, then it's, that yeah, I it's, can see it's that shifted categories. In. It's merged. Uh, really this, has. by the way, the, the, my information on this is from New Zealand English by Jennifer Hay and Margaret McLagan. And uh, the phrase they use is, now and then. It, now and then. When I say it, it sounds right. 
it, it makes a lot of sense. So that's the second element, and I think that that second element, uh, we've dealt with it being quite high and unrounded, uh, nigh. Nigh, yeah, that goes all the way to sort of an E yeah. sound. So ow and, and I start to get yeah. close. And usually there'll be a kind of a chain shift that's going to happen. That if ow creeps in on I, then I is going to shift away from that, perhaps more towards A yeah, or so, uh, to I to so differentiate. Highs, price. Uh, right, so you pulled price yeah. back. So uh, there's complete smoothing that we mentioned in, in New Zealand, and that's definitely a Southern English, London thing, math. So math. where you don't even get to that second part at all. Uh, Hannah, Bran, Cal. Uh, and that in, in London speech is associated with nasalization as well. Right. And when we, as we were mentioning before, that that uh, element could move forward to I, kind of a barred mm -hmm. I, IPA symbol, uh, that also we could go the other way. In, with the beginning, we could go more towards A. So we're getting... Uh, hey, hey, instead right. of hey, hi, hey. right? Hey, uh, hey, which is a, it's like an exaggerated version of that. Yeah, Chasers. exactly. It, it's it's striking me as Scottish, and I'm thinking about actually the Scots language uh, having a e spellings of of similar words. Uh, isn't how in Scots H A E? Hey, yeah, yes, I've seen that. Uh, that bears further investigation, since I'm talking uh, out of my hat at that. <laughs> yes, that's a nice way of putting it. Your hat. I I'm <laughs> think that there's uh, another thing that we haven't mentioned that we did mention when talking about uh, price which is the notion that this could be not really a diphthong, but two separate sounds. Uh, that instead of right. au, it could be au. Au, nau, braun, kau. And there are certainly languages, many languages, that have no phonemic identity of a diphthong, but they have a sequence of au. Yes. Um, I imagine... Doesn't Hawaii ha Hawaiian have an au? I think it does. I would think so. Something like Romanian, I would imagine, would have that. Because Romanian has all these multi-vowel clusters. Yeah. And they're evenly balanced. So, so it's not a fallen. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Because Romanian also has an o, an o that often means that Romanians, when learning British English, get the o no right away, that they use the uh, more British, the more London version, or rather the more RP version uh, of the goat diphthong, because they have something very similar in their own language. But I don't think that's on Ceausescu. I think that's Chao. I think there's a difference between au and au in Romanian. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a Romanian colleague. I'm going to have to go investigate. Uh, but I do, um, in, in calling up his accent in my head, 
he has a really wide and broken in the sense of not being a diphthong au au yeah au yeah um the other thing of course is that in english we have those group of words that sometimes get elided into triphthongs words like yes. power sour um that, uh, uh yes uh, so we've got this ow with usually a W in the spelling. Um, and those can sort of smooth out. Yeah. And what often happens is that we'll lose the, the diphthong. We'll smooth it so it, uh, something like tower will become tar. Yeah. Uh, so the uh part of the diphthong smooths out and we just the get tar. of power. Um, uh, yeah, and... Uh, it could be with roticity or not. Uh, and the same thing happens with price yes. plus R, the drift song. Uh, fa, ta. I'm wondering if there's anything left unsaid. I'm sure there is, but I can't think of it. Of course. Well, I bet some of our great listeners will love Excellent. to correct us, tell us where we've gone astray, what we've left out. So, glossonomia at gmail.com would be a great and, way to reach us. Uh, we are really running towards the end of our uh, our sounds. And so there's mm-hmm. going to have to be some thought about what we talk about. So if people have questions, questions about accents, about accent teaching, uh, about phonetics, uh, let us know. And if, if it's a topic worthy of a whole episode, uh, we can speak to it. Hmm. So I was just trying to see, look ahead for what's next on our uh, song sheet. Um, uh, What I have listed is uh, non-English non-pulmonics. So that'll be an adventure in noise-making. Yes, that'll be fun. And uh, please do, we haven't said this in a while, go to iTunes and uh, review us. Yes, that would be lovely. Yes, let us know what you think. And I think that's it. That's it for this week. Excellent. Well... Thank you, Phil. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Sayonara!